You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. It's great. Don't you appreciate our Journey Kids ministry and what they've been doing through this pandemic? It's been great. I've had a lot of time to appreciate so much in my life and in the life of this church and uh, one of the things that I appreciate so much is Journey Kids and the leaders and all the people that serve in that ministry. And I don't know what we're going to do next week because I'm going to miss my aerobic session in the morning when they're over there in the, doing the ministry at 9 o'clock. We won't be doing that song. So I'm going to just pick some volunteers next week for worship and have you come up and do motions with the worship with Eric and the, and the band, okay? We'll just do that next week. I also have to say, and I hope I don't get emotional, but I, I just have to say how much I appreciate hundreds of people online and here in this church that have been reaching out to me and my family as we pray and, and support my dad. I was in Denver last week supporting my dad. He had surgery three weeks ago to remove a brain tumor. He's got a fight on his hands. He's watching today online, uh, but he is doing really well at this point, and we're grateful and so grateful for your prayers to sustain him and help him through that. And finally, I just got to tell you, I appreciated Josh last week and his message on on the value we have, not because of what we are or what we do, but because of who loves us and what he values in us and then what that means for our lives and for our staff and Josh and all of those. So, so grateful for this team here that does so much in ministry. Well, I wonder how many of you like change? Let me, let me just do a show of hands. I know I can't really see you very well, but when you're watching at home, you can talk about this at home with me and you guys here in the room. How many of you like to decide to make changes? Like you like making the change when you're the decider. Raise a hand if you like making the change when you're the... How many of you like being told to change? Wow. Yeah. Diana and I, when we first got married, oh gosh, it's 35 years ago now. When we first got married, one of the duties I took on early in our relationship was to do the laundry because she was working on Saturdays at a grocery store as a cashier. So I would start to do the laundry, and, and I'm telling you, I made some mistakes. I, I learned really quickly, don't put a red, red blouse in with white <laughs> because all of my t-shirts turned pink. I learned that pretty quickly. We got into a fight. It was a mild fight, but, and you can't believe we fought over this, but a couple weeks later, she comes home and looks at the laundry and she sees how I fold socks. Now, when I grew up, socks were not our friends because when you took them to the laundry, they liked to run away. Anybody with me? So the way my mother taught us to do socks, especially as boys, is when you fold them, you, you take the two, match them together, and then fold them all like a ball so that when they go into my drawer, they will not disappear and I won't lose one of them. Diana, however, had a new rule. At least when I folded her socks, she didn't want me ruining the elastic at the top of the socks, so she said, gently fold those over to keep them together so that I can still keep them together but not ruin the sock. And I learned pretty quickly at that moment that the rules in my life had just changed. And that may be one way I've compromised to obey the change. There are many others I have not. Just ask her later if you like or text her if you're online. But uh, sometimes 
when we make the change, we don't mind the rule, but when someone makes us change, we're not really fans. Can I get an amen? amen. And you've been experiencing that this past year, haven't you? Rules have changed. Constantly rechanging. Struggling because they're put on us to make the change. Well, you're going to appreciate today's text. Because in Mark chapter 11, Jesus is entering his last week of ministry. Mark chapter 11 through 16, six chapters summarize the last seven days of Jesus before and during the cross and then his resurrection. And you're going to see Mark slow down in his story of the gospel because he wants to explain to his disciples Jesus is going to explain to his disciples and to all of us that he has a new rule set for his chosen. He's been with them over almost three years now, but before he dies, he wants to make sure they understand his rules and change to those for the ministry he's about to launch. It's in Mark chapter 11. Let me just walk you through it. We're only going to look at a few verses today. But Mark chapter 11 starts with the triumphal entry. If you knew, you may know that as Palm Sunday. It's when Jesus, you know, for three years, for almost three years, he's been telling people, don't tell people who I am. Don't say anything about that miracle. Don't say anything about that healing. Don't, don't talk about what I did here. I want you to keep it quiet. It's not yet my time. And then Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Jesus doesn't say it, but he shows it. It's time. He leaves Bethany, tells his disciples to go meet somebody who has a donkey with its little colt, and they grab hold of that, and they use it for the master, and he, echo, he, he exaltedly walks into Jerusalem. Palms thrown down on the street. People hailing him. Hosanna! Say it with me. Hosanna! Save us, Lord! Rescue us! We worship you, Jesus! That was Sunday. It's funny how <laughs> Sunday can be great and then Monday happens. You ever with me on that? Isn't it interesting how we can be one thing on Sunday and then Monday, by the time we get to school or the office or whatever it is, or just for that matter, get out of bed, we're not the same. I bet they thought of that at Jesus because Jesus the next day, verse 12, as they were leaving Bethany, that's on the east side of Jerusalem, Jesus was hungry and seen in a distance a fig tree and leaf, that means it was ready to produce fruit. He, he went to find out if it had any fruit and when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it wasn't the season for figs. And then Jesus says to the tree, I don't know about this, this is just crazy. He says to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Don't you think that's a little harsh on a tree? Come on. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, just pause there. Before I get into the study about worship, I just want you to see Jesus is in a different spirit today. He's about to ready to walk into the temple that he just left behind yesterday. He was, he was ordained basically as the Messiah by the people the day before. People were ready to worship him and praise him. And now he's going to walk into the temple where they're supposed to worship him and they won't be worshiping. And this tree sets it all up. We're going to come back to that tree in just a minute, but I want you to just hold on to that story because it's going to 
What he does with the tree is symbolic of what he's going to do to all of us regarding worship. He's going to flip the tables and change the rules on worship back to the way it was supposed to be. Look what happens next. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you've made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. That's where we're going to stop. But let me just walk through what Jesus just did. He just changed the rules of worship. Not rebelling against the rules, but returning them back to the way God intended it to be. And the first thing he did was he noticed that in the marketplace of the temple were all these money changers and animal sellers and people that were, listen, profiting off of the worship of God. And Jesus gets upset. He starts flipping over these money changers' tables. He starts pushing away the vendors and he won't let anybody in the temple gates that is trying to sell anything because they had taken the temple of God and turned it into their own profit. Jesus is saying here, <laughs> this isn't the place for that. Now, you have, you're not, most of you, I'm assuming, are not Jewish. If you're watching online, you're probably not Jewish. You wouldn't understand what's going on. But ever since Moses' time, when you approach the tabernacle or the temple, the whole purpose of coming before the temple or the tabernacle was to come into the presence of God. But way back in the Old Testament when this was established with Moses, they were traveling through the desert with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud and that presence would be there in the tabernacle area. Do you remember? So when you came there, you were expecting to see the presence. And listen, okay, if you're going into the presence of God, you better come with something to give of yourself. <laughs> So that's why Moses instituted those sacrifices. God told him to bring a burnt offering, bring a sin offering, bring a, a fellowship offering. You would bring something to sacrifice to this God that you were coming into the presence of. And that's what was happening. But over time, it became more about the sacrifice and less about the presence. It became more about the sheep you brought than it did about the lamb and so here's what would happen, and if you're not familiar, this will help you. You'd bring your little firstborn sheep or your firstborn bull or firstborn goat, whatever you were bringing for an offering. You'd tag along. You've traveled a distance. You're coming to the temple of God, and you're bringing that sheep along, and you'd bring it over, and, okay, I'm ready to give my firstborn sheep to the Lord. And the guys there, the priests, and say, oh, that, hmm, yeah, hmm, that sheep, that's, hmm, yeah, that's, that's not qualified. That sheep, that goat, that, that's not good enough. You're bringing it to the presence of God. You better bring the best. So here's what we'll do for you. We're going to help you out. 
We're going we're gonna to trade in your sheep to us. We'll take that deformed, decrepit, the sheep that's not any good. We'll take that sheep in and we'll sell you one of ours. We'll just upgrade it to one of the sheep that's really appropriate for God. And they would do that deal and make some money off of it. Take the sheep around the backyard outside the temple area. Tomorrow, guess what? That sheep would be brought back in the next day to sell to somebody else. That's called money changing. And that's what they were doing. And Jesus was upset. He said, that's unacceptable. Because worship is about the presence, not about your performance. Listen to that again. Worship is about the presence of God, not about the performance of man. And boy, that speaks to us today when you guys had to work so hard to be here today. You have to sign up, register, show up. You have to do the work to come. Because you didn't come here to perform for God. You came here to be in the presence of God. And if you're watching online, you're not sitting there just to check it off your list. You're sitting there and ready to worship with us because you know that the presence of God has shown up in your family room and in your living room. That's why you come to worship. And boy, we get that messed up. Some of you know the name Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is one of the most prolific investors of our time. He's probably in the top five richest men in the world. People want time with Warren Buffett. And he knows that. And he runs many companies. Some of them are nonprofits. So he decided to help out a nonprofit years ago. He decided to auction off a lunch with him. A lunch with Warren Buffett, we'll put it on the auction block. Whoever wins the auction will get a lunch with Warren Buffett. The highest bidder bid $315,000 for a lunch with Warren Buffett. Outbid me by 10 bucks. $315,000 to be in the presence of Warren Buffett for an hour. Do you realize what's so ironic about this scene? You know who's standing in the temple? You know who showed up that day? The Son of God, people. Presence of the Almighty. He was there. And they're more worried about their sacrifice than they are about the presence of God that they stand in. And friends, that's I just want to I want to suggest to you that maybe God is flipping the table on you today. Maybe God's flipping the table on all of us in this generation. Maybe this past year has been a flip of the tables to say, I'm not interested in all your performance. I'm not interested in how quality you look. I don't really care about the clothes you wear. I want you to come into my presence. And I want you to come knowing there's a holy God here. And he's ready to be worshipped. And that's why Jesus flipped the table. Look what happens next. He says, he starts to teach them. He's teaching them in a place where they have teachers delegated to the job. (laughs) And he says this incredible line from Isaiah. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. That is so 
You talk about flipping tables. That is so table flipping to a Jew. You talk about flipping tables to us. That's so table flipping to all of us too. Why don't you repeat that statement with me? It's so crucial you understand and hold on to this. He's defining what worship is to God. Say it with me. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Guess what? His house, not journeys, not Scott's, not Israel's, not yours. You're sitting in a family room at home today? Great. It's not your house right now. It's his house. Can I get an amen? amen. See, when you say that, though, you just made it about him and not about yourself. You just made it about what he wants because it's his house, not about what you want because you're comfortable with it. It's not about the songs you like to sing or play. It's about the songs that bring worship to him. It's his house. I was just with my dad for over a week, you know, eight days. And I learned pretty quickly, reminded pretty quickly, guess what, when I'm in dad's house, it's dad's house, not my house. Remember that, kids, young people, when, when you come home from college someday, Trinity, it's dad's and mom's house, not your house. And not only that, my house will be called a house of prayer. Get, get this, not a house of politics, not a house of concert hall, not a house of pleasure, not a house of hearing what I want to hear. Not even a house of preaching. Ouch. It's a house of prayer. And what he's saying, and you know what this feels like, it's one thing to sing a song. It's another thing to feel like God's speaking to you through the song. Yes? It's, an, it's one thing to study a passage and learn what it's about. It's another thing to feel so convicted by what God is teaching you in that moment. That's his that's his presence. That's prayer. And Jesus is reminding them from Isaiah, and they don't really like it. This isn't a place for sacrifices. That's great that you're given a sacrifice. It's about the presence of God and you connecting with him. That's what this is about. And then the piece that, boy, is forgotten by everybody for generations. My house will be called a prayer, house of prayer, what? For all nations. Oh, that hurts the Jews. Because their temple is for them. Hey, we got the temple of God. We're the place where God lives. You got to do it our way to come to the temple of God. You got to do things the way Jewish people expect you to do to come to the temple of God. And I know we would never say this, but you know what he's saying there? All nations are welcome. Everybody's included. Yes, Romans, oh. Greeks, sinners, Republicans, Democrats, Dodger fans. <laughs> Can I be real? Mask wearers, mask unwares. Trump voters, ouch. See, 
This is so crucial. We mess this up so much. We want to tell people who's not allowed in Jesus is saying, everyone's welcome. Now listen, you can come as you are, but you better not stay the way you were. I include everyone. You're always welcome here. And it's about you connecting with God. Not about all the other stuff going on around you. And man, when you get worship like that, oh my goodness, it doesn't matter where you're at. Do you remember years ago, the Chilean miners that were caught for three months in a cave? Do you remember that story? It was about 10 years ago. These guys were buried alive for three months in the darkness. There's, I don't know how many men, there were tons of them down there. They couldn't even get to them. Finally, they drug drilled a small hole to just get oxygen down there so they wouldn't die, and then whole process to get them down to where they could rescue them one by one. There was a guy there down in that pit by the name of, let me get his name right, Don Jose Henriquez. Don Jose Henriquez, one of the miners there, told his buddy after this happened, God is the only way out of this. Maybe you've said that before. God is the only way out of this. And his buddy said, you have been witnessing to us for so many years. We need your help. Pray for us, Don. So in the midst of the darkness, he's telling all the guys that are around this, this hole, this cave down deep in the mountain, let's get on our knees and pray. And listen to what he said. Here was his prayer, what he started with. He was called the pastor in that cave for three months. He started with a simple statement. We aren't the best men. Let me say that again. This is how he started his prayer. God, we aren't the best men. Victor over here knows he drinks too much. Zamora here is too quick to anger. Pedro here thinks about the poor father he's been to his young daughter skipping out on his girl's mother and then not even spending time with her. And on and on it goes. We are not the best men. But then he prayed, Jesus Christ, Lord, let us enter your sacred throne of grace. We are sinners, and we need you. And just about everyone who was at the entrance to that refuge or inside were on their knees praying the same thing. The prayer goes on. There is nothing we can humanly do without your help. We need you to take charge of this situation, God. Please, Lord, take charge. Do you know his prayer was exactly what Jesus is looking for in the temple? See, if we keep looking at our differences, we're never going to get anywhere. But when we realize we're all in the same plight, we can unite in prayer. And Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations and all peoples and all races and all generations. And it's time the church remembers that. And then he says, then look at what Mark records. This is Mark's commentary on what he observes in the temple that day. Verse 18, the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this. These are the lead worshipers. And you know what they said? Let's find a way to kill it. They're lead worshipers. They should be leading in this process. They should be supporting Isaiah's statement. They should be calling people to prayer. And they're more concerned about maintaining their image than they are about being transformed by the gospel and by the love of God. See, when you come into the temple, you come to be changed. If you didn't come today to be changed, you're not ready to worship. 
Do you understand that? Are you hearing me at home? God doesn't want you to come and stay the same. He wants you to be transformed into his image. Not maintain your own. And these guys, they're supposed to be the leaders of the worship process and they're more interested in killing somebody that threatens them. So back to the tree. You know, that day it started with a fig tree, remember? Don't you ever, you'll never produce fruit again. You can read later the rest of the passage. It doesn't, it dies that day. Get into a whole conversation about prayer. That's another sermon for another time. But I just want you to think about that image. Because Jesus is saying before we even started our worship that he's not interested in how you look or what you did or how you act. He's wanting to see you produce fruit exactly what John the Baptist started his ministry three years earlier saying produce fruit in keeping with repentance it's exactly what John records Jesus saying I you didn't come to me but I came to you and saved you and rescued you so that you could produce fruit fruit that will last in your life it's exactly what the journey kids ladies were saying earlier God could care less what you look like on the outside he cares what's going on on the inside. And that's the heart of worship. Big change from Sunday to Monday, huh? You know, it should be a big change for us too. Because tomorrow will show God how you truly worship. Not today. Tomorrow will show how much of a priority he is in your life. Not today. Tomorrow will show how much you worship him versus the things of this life. Not today. See, tomorrow will decide who you worship. And that was the whole point. So here's my challenge to you today. To start every day. You know, we got a month till Easter. To start every day entering the presence of God. Before you get out of bed, go to the head. That was supposed to make you laugh, giggle. I'm challenging you to start every day by just entering his presence. It doesn't even matter what you say. You can start with, I'm a sinner. You can start with, hey, God, welcome, good morning. You can start with whatever it is, but you start each day entering his presence. Can I get an amen if you're willing to do it? That's how you start your day. Start every week just like you did today. Start every week being included in the kingdom of God. Making the effort to come and give him your worship. And if you're online and you can't be here, that's great. Then you continue to make that commitment to bring all of your best to worship wherever you're at. And start today with the goal of accepting change when it comes from God. I don't care how you fold your socks. I care how you enter the relationship with God every day. Jesus is about to change some other rules. But this is where he started, right here. And it all starts with you and how you worship him. Because when you get the worship right, then all the other things work well too. 
So God, that's exactly what we come today to do. I, <laughs> part of me just wants to stop right here and just start singing praises to you again because whatever we came in with today, whatever we're struggling with, whether here or at home, you deserve our best worship. You, it's your presence that we seek. It's, your, it's conversation with you that we need. It's you we long for every day. So take away our resistance. Remove from us anything that resists the change you want to do in us. And help us to bring our best to you. And may you be glorified. And I pray for, for this day moving forward, that journey, may we be that place where we all gather for prayer to bring you praise. Do that in us today. Because that's what you wanted us to do. And that's what you taught your chosen. And we praise you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.